You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119 and verse number one. The Bible says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. When I shall have learned of thy righteous judgments, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Verse number nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the Bible that we hold in our hands, the Bible that you have given to us as your word, uh, the Bible that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I thank you that your word is still quick and powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord, that your word is like a hammer that can chip away and chisel away at the hardest of hearts. I thank you that your word is powerful I thank you that uh, your word is the answer for our lives. Your word is the answer for our country. And I pray that we would get back to the Bible. I pray we would get in your word every day. May we not only be hearers of the word, but may we also be doers of the word. And I pray that we would obey what thus saith the Lord. I pray you'd speak to us tonight as we look at Psalm 119, these first few verses we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This psalm, Psalm 119, is a, a very powerful psalm. Uh, we uh, preached a few, I guess it's probably been a month or so ago now, from Psalm 119 about how that the Word of God quickens us, it revives us, it gives life. No other book can do that. You may enjoy reading a newspaper or you may be helped reading a book on, uh, you know, some instructional or some self-help book. I'm not against those things. Those books can help you. Those books can encourage you. uh, But no other book can change you. And no other book is a book that is alive. Once those words get on the page from a human author, uh, those those words are just there. But there's something about the Bible. When you read the Bible, the Bible comes alive. And the Holy Spirit of God works and moves as you read and as you study and as you memorize and as you meditate upon the Word of God. We teach our children, and I'm going to try to push the reset button in August, 
Uh, we have master clubs, but we were very much interrupted this last year with the coronavirus. But I'm going to try to push the reset button for our Wednesday night program. We try to push the reset button in all of our Sunday school classes. Uh, we're definitely going to do this in our Christian school. But we have to teach our children the importance of memorizing the Word of God. Notice what David said in Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. What does that mean? It means he memorized it. It means he had it, he had it inside of him. He didn't have to run to the Bible to read the verse. The Bible was already inside of him. He had it memorized. He had it committed to memory. He said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Why do you think sin is running rampant in our nation, in our world? It's because we've gotten away from the Bible. Uh, my dad used to say it. It wasn't original with him. I think it was D.L. Moody that said this, but he said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Let me tell you, that's true. You know why people that are backslidden and people that are living for the devil, you know why they don't want to read this book? Because this book is a mirror. It shows them what is wrong and what they need to do to get it fixed. And when you're backslidden, when you're away from God, the last thing you want to do is to open up this book and the Holy Spirit of God speak to your heart and convict you. But that's the very thing you need. That's the very thing I do need when I get away from God. I need to get back to the book. The book of the Bible is alive. It is powerful. This particular psalm is the longest of the psalms, 176 verses. And this psalm is all about the importance of the Word of God. This psalm, from the first verse all the way until the end, it gives eight verses. You can see if it's broken up in your Bible. It gives eight verses for every one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So if we did that in our English language, for instance, then we would have eight verses that would all begin with the letter A. And then there'd be eight verses that all would begin with the letter B and then eight with the letter C. And that's the way that this psalm was broken up. It was, it was uh, set up, it was written so that the children, as they were memorizing their letters, they had verses that corresponded with every letter. I don't know if this is still uh, taught in the uh, Christian curriculums and that I imagine it is. But when I was a boy, I remember we would say a verse, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B verse, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. C verse, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And don't worry, I'm not going all the way to Z because I think I only remember the first three, but you get the idea. And this psalm is an alphabetic psalm that was penned, I believe, and most uh, Bible scholars would believe it was penned by David. It doesn't say for sure. We don't know that for a fact. But more than likely, this was a psalm of David. The theme of this psalm is the Word of God. Would you notice with me in this psalm, we see, first of all, that this psalm is a psalm, and we're going to look at the first 16 verses tonight if we have time. And if we don't get through all 16, then we'll pick up another time. But I want you to notice this psalm, it, number one, it deals with sin. And you know, every one of us need to deal with sin. 
I was telling uh, the girls, uh, Lacey and Savannah and Chloe and Kylie, the other night we were uh, talking about um, uh, some different animals. And, and I, I, I told them about uh, the ostrich and how the ostrich, you know, sticks his head in the sand or sticks her head in the sand and, and, and tries, to, uh, tries to avoid the problem and dealing with all of that. And can I tell you, you can't do that in the Christian life. Now, you can't stick your head in the sand. Uh, if your marriage is struggling, if your children are struggling, if you are struggling, you can't just ignore the problem. You've got to deal with the problem. If you don't deal with it, it gets worse. It doesn't go away. Maybe that works at the job. Maybe if you just ignore it long enough, maybe that customer or whatever will go away. That's not the way you want to treat your Christian life. You have to deal with sin. Say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what to do. You confess it. You confess it. You get it right. Uh, you come clean with God. You ask God for forgiveness. You ask God to restore you. Uh, if you've sinned against a, a mate or you've sinned against a coworker or you've sinned against a neighbor, you go to that person and you apologize. You say, I am sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Boy, that, those words almost sound foreign today, do they not? Nobody wants to admit they're wrong. Nobody wants to take the blame. Nobody wants to accept responsibility. What we want to do is we want to say, it's not my fault, it's my wife's fault. It's not my fault, it's my husband's fault. It's not my fault, it's the kid's fault. It's not my fault, it's the parent's fault. Well, I got a good, good idea for you. If you want to know whose fault it is, most of the time, you can go look in the mirror. And you can discover, and I can discover, that most of the problems that we have and the things that we deal with, many times it comes back to our own sin and our own pride, our own selfishness, or, or maybe it's uh, 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 just a, a laziness or a, a casualness for the things of God. But can I tell you, we must deal with our sin. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... The Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So hang on. We get, we get saved, right? And we say, we, we, we pray the sinner's prayer. We pray a prayer and we ask Jesus Christ to save us and to cleanse us. And we accept the free gift of eternal life. And so if you do that, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So your sins are forgiven. My sins have already been paid for. The blood of Jesus paid for our sins. So you say, so why do we have to confess our sins on a regular basis? And I would say a daily basis, but I think we probably should confess them more often than daily. I wouldn't save them all up for the end of the day. Uh, keep a short account with God. And when you sin, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of that sin, you ought to confess it immediately. Maybe at work. Uh, maybe you're, you're upset or maybe you're, you're mad or maybe you lose your temper or, uh, or maybe you say something unkind. I think you ought to confess it to God immediately as soon as the Holy Spirit convicts you. You say, well, why? Why should we confess our sin when our sin has already been paid for? It's already been covered by the blood of Jesus. Here's why. When we sin, we don't lose our salvation. When I was born into this world physically, I was born to Joe and Cindy Coburnett. 
and I became their child. As their child, I was their son. I was in their family. Now, did I still get in trouble growing up? Well, I was the oldest. So you tell me, did I get in trouble? Oh, yeah. Now, had I been the youngest, that would have been a different story. But as the oldest, I got in trouble for a lot. I, got, I, I took the responsibility for a lot, you know. It could have been Julie or Jennifer that were getting in trouble. But guess who usually got punished? It was, it was Jeremy because I was the oldest and I was responsible. But I would sin or I would do something I should not do and I'd get in trouble. So whenever I sinned, did that make me no longer a child of my parents? No, I was still their child. But when I would sin, maybe if I would be disrespectful to my parents, or maybe, I would, maybe I'd be sharp, or maybe I would say something that was rude, and maybe let's say it was later on in years when I wasn't getting the, the wooden spoon from mom, the spanking, or maybe I wasn't getting the spanking from dad, and maybe it was later on, and Holy Spirit would speak to me and say, Jeremy, that's not the way you treat your parents. You don't ignore your parents. You don't, you don't mouth off to your parents. You don't treat your parents uh, uh, disrespectfully. And the Holy Spirit would speak to me. And so I would go to my mom or my dad and I would say, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry for how I acted. Did I have to confess my sin so that I could stay in the family? No, absolutely not. But I confessed my sin so that I could have a relationship with them that was close and a relationship that was right. That's why as Christians, that's why we should confess our sins on a regular basis. Not because we lose our salvation, not because God's going to kick us out of his family, but we confess our sins so we can have a relationship that is restored and a relationship that is right. We see number one in this passage dealing with sin. It's best not to sin, but when we do sin, we should confess that sin and we should forsake that sin. We live in a society where many people try to cover sin. Can I tell you what happens when we cover sin? It doesn't get better. It gets worse. And that's why as Christians, uh, the Bible says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You and I will not prosper. We will not be successful in covering sin. We will only make things worse. That's why we must deal with the sin. Would you notice with me in Psalm 119 in, in how we should deal with our sin? Verse number one, the Bible says, Blessed are the un." defiled. That word undefiled, it means blameless. That, that's the way our lives ought to be. That doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we never sin, but it means that we ought to be blameless. We ought to have a testimony uh, that if someone says, you know, uh, Pastor Jeremy, I don't know what he was doing out, out the other day. He was driving around town. He was, he was all over the place, all over the road. He must have been drunk. I ought to have such a testimony that if someone said that, people would say, well, he may be a crazy driver, but we know one thing, he wasn't drinking. That ought to be the testimony that we have as Christians. Somebody says, you know, I think I heard so-and-so at work. I think I heard them cussing out a, 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 a co-worker. And that ought to be uh, your testimony, my testimony, that they would say, 
he might have been upset and he might have raised his voice and he shouldn't have done that, but he doesn't cuss. He's a Christian. There ought to be a testimony where we are undefiled, where we are blameless. And you say, well, pastor, I got a problem with cussing or I got a problem with my temper or I got a problem with drinking or I got a problem with this or I got a problem with that or I got a problem with bitterness or I got a problem with jealousy. Or, I got a problem with pride. And by the way, we all have a sin nature, but the goal is to get the victory over the sin, not to let the sin get the victory over you. The Bible says, verse one, we should be undefiled. Then notice with me, verse number three, they also do no iniquity. That's the goal for the Christian, not to see how much we can sin, not to sin and sin and sin and say, well, you know, I got grace. You know, God's grace is good and God's grace is going to forgive me. Of course, thanks for the obvious. God's grace is going to cover you. But because of God's grace, Paul wrote and said, shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound? And he answered and said, God forbid. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is, is, grace is a reason not to sin. Grace is a reason to try to love God and be close to God and be clean. Verse seven, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. Now, now don't miss this phrase, uprightness of heart. You know, that's where the real problem is for most of us. For most of us, it's not the temper. For most of us, it's not the, I'm, I'm so upset and I'm so mad or, or I just can't help it. I have to lie or I have to cheat or I have to steal or I have to, no, 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 no. Here's the problem for most of us. It's a heart problem. And if we'll get our heart right, if we'll get cleaned up from the inside, a whole lot of the stuff on the outside is gonna be okay. But there must be uprightness, righteousness, of heart. Notice verse nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? We've got to deal with sin. How do we deal with it? By getting clean, by becoming cleansed. Verse number nine tells us the answer. How do we get cleansed? By taking heed according to thy word, by obeying this book right here and doing what the Bible says. That's how we get our sins cleansed. And then we see in verse number 11, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Number one, there's a dealing with sin. Sin must be dealt with. Secondly, I see in these uh, first 16 verses, I see that there must be a devotion to the scriptures. You say, pastor, how do I live upright? How do I live blameless? How do I live holy? How do I live godly? Well, I want to remind us this evening that that does not happen on accident. What happens naturally, what happens normally is that we sin because that is our nature. We are all sinners. We are born sinners uh, because of our sin nature. I'm going to step on some toes here, okay? So get ready. Because of our sin nature, we see any law and the natural man does not want to obey that. You say, what are you talking about? I always want to obey laws. Okay, 45 miles per hour on a road where everybody and their mother's brother is going 65. You don't want to go 45. 
I shouldn't say you don't. Most of you don't want to. And most of you don't either, by the way, to prove my point. You know why? Because we don't like anybody telling us what to do. You, you, see, a, you see a rule at the workplace or you see a rule in, in the Little League or you see a rule here, you see a rule over here or, you know, we got rules at the church. Oh, who they think they are telling me what to do. You know what that is? That's our sin nature. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. But here's the problem. Many times we look at this book right here and we say, I don't want God telling me what to do. And I want to tell you, that's a problem. Because God is the one who created you. God is the one who loves you. God is the one who wants to help you and he wants to guide you and he wants to show you how you can have a life of blessing and joy and peace. But so many times we reject or we push away the scriptures. There must be a devotion to the scriptures. This book that I have here in my hand, this book is not my word. This is not your word. This is not the word of Victory Baptist Church. This is the word of God. I'll prove it to you. Are you ready? Stay with me quickly. Verse number one, the law of the who? Lord. Verse number two, that keep his testimonies. Verse three, they walk in his ways. Verse four, keep thy precepts diligently. Verse five, keep thy statutes. Verse six, thy commandments. Verse seven, thy righteous judgments. Verse eight, thy statutes. Verse nine, thy word. Verse 10, thy commandments. Verse 11, thy word. Verse 12, thy statutes. Verse 13, the judgments of thy mouth. Verse 14, thy testimonies. Verse 15, thy precepts, thy ways. Verse 16, thy statutes and thy word. Whose word is this again? I'm not sure that was quite clear in those 16 verses. It's God's word. Can I tell you, there must be a devotion to the word of God. What are we supposed to do with God's word? Well, verse number one says we're to walk in it. You know what that means? We read something in the morning and we live it during the day. That means we hear something preached on Sunday and we go throughout the week and we walk in that way. We do what the Bible says. Verse two, blessed are they that keep thy testimonies, his testimonies. Say, well, I'm, I'm keeping my Bible. I'm not letting anybody else have it. That's not what it means. And to keep, it means to follow. It means to obey. It means to do the things that God has told us to do. Verse number three, they walk in his ways, there it is again, they walk. Verse four, keep thy precepts. Verse five, again, keep thy statutes. Verse number six, have respect unto all thy commandments. Do you know God wants us to have a respect and a reverence for his word? Now, I mean, you, you may not like all the rules at the workplace. For the young people, you may not like all the rules that you have at school. You may not like all the rules that we have on our roadways. And you may say, who in the world said you can't turn left here, you know, or whatever. You may not like those rules. But I want to tell you, we ought to have respect and great reverence for God's word. Verse number seven, he says, I have learned thy righteous judgments. Well, that's interesting. How are you going to learn something? You got to read it. You got to study it. You got to figure out what it says. We ought to always be learning. Notice verse number eight. Again, keep thy statutes. 
Verse number nine, by taking heed according to thy word. Again, by doing what we have been taught. Verse 10, David writes and he says, let me not wander from thy commandments. Here's the problem. Sometimes we, we know what the Bible says. We've heard it preached. We've heard it taught. We've had a mom and dad or a Sunday school teacher that's taught us. And here's what the Bible says, but we get our eyes off on something else. And we get our eyes on the philosophy of the world or we get our eyes on all the pleasures and all the fun and we start to wander. Can I tell you, it's time to get back to the word of God. It's time to stop wandering and to get grounded and to get your feet firmly planted on the word of God. Verse 11, we talked about this at the beginning. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. What does that mean? It means to memorize it. It means it's a part of you. Verse number 12, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me. God, I need you to teach me your statutes. Verse 13, David said, I will declare with my lips. You've got the Bible inside of you. You obey it. You keep it. You respect it. You learn it. And then you share it with others. You, you don't keep it to yourself. Tell somebody else about the life-changing power of the Word of God. Verse 14, David said, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. Sometimes we act like we're martyrs and we're, you know, we're just having such a, a terrible time. Oh, the Bible's so hard. Oh, I can't go out and do all that fun stuff that everybody else is doing. Are you talking about that drinking? You're talking about the drinking where people end up in car accidents and kill themselves or kill others? Is that the kind of fun you're talking about? You want to talk to some of our police officers and you want to talk about all the fun that they're having out there, not the police officers, but the fun everybody else is having out there drinking? You want to talk about the jail time? You want to talk about the domestic violence? You want to talk about the suicide? You want to talk about the people losing their jobs? You want to talk about all that fun? Oh, I know, you're saying, boy, all these, all these people out there, having so much fun with drugs. Oh, and here I'm in a Christian home and I can't. Are you kidding me? And you say, oh yeah, well, we've just got a drug problem here. Well, there's a drug problem everywhere. And you know what it is? It's a spiritual problem. And it is a problem, I'll tell you, it's a problem that's worse than a whole lot of other stuff going on. It's a problem because Satan is on the attack to destroy lives. You talk to some of our healthcare workers, you talk to our first responders and you talk to our police officers and you find out what it's like when they respond to a drug overdose. Can I tell you, fun is not the first word they're thinking. It's heartache and it's scars and it's regrets. Can I tell you, this book's not keeping you from fun. This book is guaranteeing that you can have a life of joy and peace. And that's why David said, I have rejoiced in thy way. David said, it's not hard. It's not difficult. I'm not in prison because I'm serving God. David said, I'm the happiest guy around because I have the word of God. May God help us. Verse number 15, David says, I want to meditate and I want to respect thy word. Boy, I tell you, and I'm, I'm guilty of this many times, but we spend a lot of times thinking about sports. We spend a lot of times thinking about stuff we like to do. We spend a lot of time thinking about food. Matter of fact, I'm already thinking about it right now. I'm glad I mentioned that. 
But when was the last time that you just meditated on the Word of God? When was the last time that maybe during the middle of the week, just a verse popped out at you and said, boy, I need that verse today. God, thank you for giving me that verse. I need this verse for what I'm going through right now. You say, well, why do we have so much trouble? And why are we so mad? And why are we so upset? Why is our country falling apart? Because we have not meditated on the Bible. We've neglected it. We are, we are watching television like it's going out of style. There, there is more TV shows available uh, that you can watch. You don't have to watch it live anymore. You can go back and watch reruns. And I think I'm using the right word. You can binge watch. And you can do video games for hours. And you can do hobbies for hours. And you can be on the Facebook and the internet for hours and hours. And then we open the Bible and we say, oh my, this is so hard. I got to read my, read my two chapters today. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I tell you, we need to get back to meditating Amen. on the word of God. Verse 16, again, David said, I will delight myself. It's not, a, it's not a hard thing. It's a privilege. It's a blessing to delight myself in thy statutes. He said, I will not forget thy word. When I was a boy, of course, we didn't have all the, we didn't have all the internet stuff and we didn't have all the DVDs and we didn't have all the, uh, the, the tablets and Joanne and I will tell our girls, they have a hard time imagining what life was like in the old days. I remember one time, this was been a few years ago, but Lacey or Savannah, they asked, uh, it wasn't Joanna, they asked me, I think it was, but they said, now, Dad, you know when they, when they wrote uh, Little House on the Prairie? Is that when you were a boy? Amen. Tell you what, you talk about getting grounded for a month. That one comment. But can I tell you this? When I was a boy, we didn't have all that stuff, but I loved to read. We would go to these old bookshops. My parents would take these old books. I don't even know if they have those still today. Uh, it's, sometimes it's hard to find books anymore. You know, everything's online. But I'd look for those old hardback, Hardy Boys mystery books. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The old Hardy Boys mystery books. And we would get those. I remember a couple times my mom and dad said, Jeremy, you've got to stop reading so much because I'd get three or four books and within 24 hours I had them all read. I wasn't supposed to do this. Young people don't do this. This is not a good example. Do not do as I do. But I remember trying to get the flashlight and at night pull the covers up and get the flashlight on because like, I got to finish this book. And I don't know why I had to finish the book because they all ended the same. You know, I mean, if you've read one, it's kind of like a Hallmark movie. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. But I would read those and I would soak them up. I couldn't get enough of those books. Can I tell you, that's the way it ought to be with the Bible. Just can't get enough of it. Because we need it. Because it helps us and because it strengthens us and encourages us. It blesses us. It shows us how we're supposed to live. Number one, we must deal with sin. Number two, a devotion to scriptures. Number three, a desire to seek after God. Verse two, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Verse 10, with my whole heart, with everything I've got, David says, I've sought thee. Verse 12, David says, blessed art thou, O Lord. He said, God, you are the one I want. You are the one that I rejoice in. You are the one 
that is my purpose for living. I'm thankful to tell you today that when we seek God, God is not hiding from you. God is not avoiding you. God says, if you'll seek me and you'll seek me with your whole heart, he says, you will find me. I think about the time years ago, Brother Dan was a, Brother Dan Bybee was a counselor as a Bible college. He was a counselor at our teen camp. And after the services that day, it was at nighttime. And we went out and we played a game called Capture the Flag. Anybody ever played Capture the Flag? Uh, that's a fun game. But after we got done playing Capture the Flag, where we divided the, the two teams, we, we gathered all the teenagers in and we said, all right, now it's a new game. Now it's not Capture the Flag, it's Capture the Counselor. And we had the counselors already out hiding. Well, they found a few counselors, but I'll tell you one they didn't find, Brother Dan. Brother Dan was in full camo. Brother Dan was about 20 feet up a tree and he was hiding, and, and of course the teenagers were, you remember that, Brother Dan? Those teenagers were so frustrated, like, where is he? I mean, the whole group is looking for one guy, and they couldn't find him, and finally we, we called the game, we said, you're not going to find him, and where is he? Right over my head, right here, you know, up the tree. Can I tell you, there may be some things in life you can't find, but I want to tell you, if you're looking for God, and if you're seeking for God, you will find him. Because he's looking for you. Because he says, if you'll draw nigh to me, God says, I'll draw nigh to you. There must be a desire to seek after God. And then lastly, there must be a delight in salvation. We've already talked about this. But David says in verse 7, I will praise thee with uprightness. The Christian life is not a dead, dry, boring religion. Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, you can't help but praise him. You can't help but worship him and glorify him. He says again in verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. In verse 16, he says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.